0: This episode is sponsored by Audible, audiblepodcast.com slash unprofessional. It's time once again for Unprofessional. I am, as always, Lex Friedman, and the other guy is, as always, Dave Wiskus. Hi, Dave.
1: Hi, Lex. (laughs)
0: That was, man, your highs get better and better. But before we get too deep into how well you say hello, uh, let's introduce uh, today's, uh, I would say, exquisitely special guest. Mr.
2: Jay Clifford. Hello, Jay. Yeah, I don't. I don't know about that introduction. That that makes me feel a little a little extra special.
0: Okay, moderately special. Well, moderately. <laughs> Today's fair to middling guest is. You
2: know, there, um, there you go. Let's let's set the bar kind of low so we can get this off on the right smart. foot.
0: That's right. Aim low, Jay. For the uninitiated, tell our listeners who you are. Who is Jay Clifford?
2: Well, that's that's a good question. Um, I've been a songwriter for. Uh, Let's see, I started writing songs when I was about 14 or 15 years old and studied uh, music in college and then joined uh, a band called Jump Little Children. And we toured the country for about 15 years and uh, I'm putting out records and producing records and mixing records and, you know, making music.
0: To me, one of the key distinctions about your career, Jay, is that you are the only person about whom I've been told that if someone I know could get your singing voice, they would murder me to do it. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yes, our uh, our eagle eared listeners will recall that your name came up on a past episode, and I said that I would gladly murder Lex for singing <laughs>
2: <laughs> Well, it's a good yeah. thing a good thing that you guys are in different states, I guess. <laughs> I will also say
0: that Dave said Dave made me promise that I would not bring that up during this recording session. So
2: now we see how good a friend I am today. But only
1: because I was going to bring it up. But to be fair, I feel like it's okay for you to bring it up because I did say I'd murder you.
2: Right. Well I feel a little bit in a sandwich in this conversation, but that's 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 fine. (laughs) (laughs) You guys need need to work it out. You got some it's good. Got some issues. That's how we
1: roll. (laughs) We like to keep it awkward around here.
2: Yeah, that's, that's right. good. That's good.
0: And now you're in uh, you're in South Carolina, is that right?
2: Yeah, I'm in Charleston, uh, South Carolina. Uh, the studio is actually right. I don't know if, uh, if you guys have been to Charleston before, but um, it's a beautiful, beautiful city. And this the studio is right on uh, you know right next to King Street. Um, and maybe some of your listeners have been to like the the Music Farm or the uh, the, the Charleston Music Hall. Uh, two of the the kind of big music venues are just around the corner, so it's right right down right downtown i
0: i actually happened this is weird and probably not even worth mentioning but there it is i i even know a song about the music farm that's that's how familiar i am with what what song well so since i can't seem to go show without mentioning they might be giants uh the when they might be giants did a tour i guess in the mid or early 2000s Mm -hmm. they did a they did a conceit called venue songs where they would write a song each day for each new venue and they have a song about the uh the music farm in charlotte
2: oh okay I have, I have to hear it because i actually saw them i don't know if it was that tour do you remember what year that was you said early 2000 i think it was actually
0: 2004 2005 somewhere in there
2: yeah i might have i might have seen that tour uh, maybe it was a, maybe it was a couple years before that I'm I'm kind of losing track here, but, um, yep. they were so amazing. I mean, it was so loud. I don't know. Was it loud? <laughs> like it, it was the kind of, it was the kind of show it was unexpected, unexpectedly loud because, uh, my eyeballs were vibrating. Have you, have you, have you been, have you been to one of those shows where like when the, yeah. ba- when the bass like really kicks in the whole place uh, gets blurry? You know what i'm talking yeah. about yes
1: yes it's the level of bass just below i can't tell if i just wet myself
2: yeah it's yeah exactly it affects the whole body so um you know you would expect that from you know uh, whatever band from the 80s but uh p- pick your poison there but um uh, not from they might be giants but it was amazing such a good show. These
1: rock musicians today and all this loud music. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I always get scared at a
0: loud show when I feel that bass. And for me, I always think of it as feeling it literally, not not in a metaphorical way, but in a literally feeling it in my heart. Mm-hmm. And I always worry, like, is this hugely loud thumping bass doing something bad to my body right now? <laughs> yeah, like, am I having palpitations?
2: Uh, you're probably not having palpitations, but you are being sterilized, most likely. <laughs> you're most likely me. <laughs>
0: I have many, many children, being so I, I'm, I'm ready to be sterilized. <laughs>
2: You have I mean, many. We're, we're okay. You have many, many. That sounds like you lost count. How many? It, I well,
0: if we, if we <laughs> I, I, how many kids do you have, Jay? I have two. Okay, so no. if we, uh, all right. So I have you beat by one. I have three kids. It's okay. not. It doesn't feel like a whole lot most of the time, but when you talk about three, three feels like a lot in 2013. I guess
2: it kind of does. I mean, three because it, of inflation. Three, it, <laughs> is that what it is? <laughs> uh yeah three you're you're, you can get away with three but any more than that it's it's uh a little uh excessive
0: once once you're up to four and five and stuff it's like the question is are you a unusual religion and very devout uh (laughs)
2: or are you crazy (laughs) i'm with you exactly we're just Uh, greedy with the gene pool if you get exactly if you get to five that's a cult You're, you're in, you're, you're in cult territory.
1: I've known people who had like eight brothers and sisters, nine brothers and sisters. And at that point it just feels like you're starting an army.
2: Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you've got, have you ever, have you ever actually been to visit a cult by any chance?
1: Uh, I can't say that I have.
2: I've been by
0: the Scientology center if that counts. I don't know if it does.
1: Oh, there's a Scientology center a block away from me.
2: There's one. So what? Downtown Denver? Is that where you are?
1: Yeah. Yeah. They just built it, uh, I want to say, about eight months ago.
2: I'm not going to lie. I just double-checked,
0: uh, and, and I could still be wrong, but I just had to make sure that I didn't offend you, Jay, that I was just looking up to make sure you are not on the Scientology roster. <laughs> <And then> like, <laughs> it's like, there would be a show. Right. That could I mean, get heated quickly.
2: I've, I have to say I've never real-time Googled whether I've offended someone I'm talking to. That's a, that's a first. Um, I worry a lot.
0: But, so, but you, do you sound like you have a cult story? And if you have a cult story, I want to hear it. Yeah, well, I definitely want to
2: hear it. Well, I, I do. I mean, first I want to hear about the Scientology thing. Because I've, I've actually visited the, the w- there was one in Boston. Um, and I just kind of went in out of curiosity. There's not much of a story there. But um, why did, why are they, are they expanding? Why is there one in didn't?
1: I think they're always trying
2: to expand. I haven't been in there. I've walked
1: by. Because I when I walk, when I take the dog out, I walk by there. They've never harassed me. I've seen them outside, outside with uh, their e-meters and their personality tests sometimes, handing out pamphlets. Uh, the only thing they've really done that's offended me wasn't even them. It was the bar that's across the street, the bar that I used to go to. And the marquee one day said, welcome Scientologists. Mm. So I decided to stop going to that bar. They lost my business.
2: <laughs> you, uh, yeah, you boycotted them. Okay, so they have you tried the e-meter? That's, that's one of the reasons I asked because they didn't have one. When this was probably in the 92, when uh, when I checked it out, and they didn't have that at the time. Is this the thing you hold on to and it kind of checks right. your.
0: Your whatevers.
2: Yeah, your whatevers. <laughs> your Pheetons, your I believe it is. <laughs> how, but, how, how thoroughly you've been sterilized by the Giants. Exactly. Yeah.
0: You know, I used to live in LA and I would go by the Los Angeles Scientology Center, or I think they call it the Celebrity Scientology Celebrity Center. Center yeah. Right. And um, my. My big Scientology Celebrity Center claim to flame was I did see uh, John Travolta going into it once. Oh, nice. Which yeah. is uh, ve- as exciting as you would imagine, which is to say not very. But <laughs> I have never – I have seen an e-meter in person uh, that somebody had acquired, I believe, through nefarious means and owned. But I have never How actually used one.
1: I, 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 does it work?
2: Does it plug into your iPhone? <laughs> it like a square reader? There should be an E meter app. I I would love to love to try that. I'm I'm sure it's just oh, how some how are they not all over that? I'm sure it's just some kind of like, you know, you know, the electrical bolts or something, but
0: Right. Yeah. It basically like, you know I would, it's I think it works as scientifically as a mood ring, if I'm
1: not mistaken. <laughs> it could, it could be that like you shake the, the the phone and the app tells you how many thetans you have. <laughs> all I have all the Thetans. You know we're getting a phone call after this, right?
2: That'd be great. You can send them to me. What Tom Cruise?
1: Oh yeah, we'll send them to Jay.
2: Yeah, send them. Send them to me.
0: God, you know what? I actually i get, i do get angry about Scientology because i've I've read way too much about Scientology and um, the especially not just crazy, but I think knowingly evil people at its helm. But I I get angry because of the, like. I think Tom Cruise was going to be crazy whether he was a successful movie star or not and so this was just one way for him to deal with his craziness. But for the the more normal people who get sucked in, I I, I get angry because I worry about them and the way they've ruined their lives.
2: It does seem like there's some abuse cases. So, yeah, yeah. maybe maybe like not. Like physical
0: violence and and you know, taking their money for profit private profiting and stuff. And, and, you know, really being the the violence is really what gets me mad or the people who get subject to, to slave labor for years and years because they've offended somebody, man, it's crazy. It's terrible. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, uh, George Carlin had a good way to deal with this. He said any, you know, one-on-one people are great, but you start putting, uh, you know, armbands around your arm or get them in groups or in teams. That's where things start going wrong.
1: Yeah. I did a job interview once where they wanted me to, to do a test, like some kind of skills assessment test. And that sounded fine until about halfway through the test, I'm locked in this little room. Well, I, no, I'm in a little room with a closed door. Halfway through the test, I noticed at the bottom it says, from the library of L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> well, I got up and I snuck out.
0: <laughs> They're still looking for
1: him. <laughs> oh, the great thing is like a year or two later, well, not great thing, but like a year or two later, I I read that one of the employees had gone into the company, that company, and uh, shot the CEO, shot and killed the CEO. Oh, yikes, yeah. So uh, probably a good thing I didn't finish that interview. <laughs> yeah, probably not. I, I I really want to hear Jay's cult story, but
0: I, you did remind me, Dave, of I think my riskiest day at work. I was working at this internet company in Los Angeles, and not my division, I promise, but there was a, a part of the company that sent out a lot of emails. Not technically unsolicited email, not spam, because you did have to get onto these newsletters. But it was it was in a different era, and I believe it was very difficult to get off of these lists. And some disgruntled customer who was receiving these emails found the business and came to the business and came in and went to the receptionist's desk and said, who can I talk to about all these emails? And he immediately starts yelling, who can I talk to about all these emails I'm getting? Because you guys keep sending them to me, and it needs to stop, and it needs to stop today. And I want my name taken off in front of my eyes. And wow. the receptionist's like, there's nobody here who can help you. So he starts walking through the office screaming, who's in charge of these emails? Who's in charge of these emails? And somebody comes up to him and says, you know, you're not going to be able to get anything done like this. And then it's, then he starts throwing punches at the guy who's trying to calm him down. And Lord. I uh, I decided... That given that I have never thrown a punch, that I was not the guy who could be on the <laughs> who, who could come to the defense or anybody or help with this. So what I decided to do was to make sure that other people who didn't necessarily know what was going on stayed where they were. I was not one of the guys who went up and got involved. I was more the the keep calm, keep the crowd calm, everybody relaxed guy. And <laughs> oh I
2: regret God. nothing. So you did you've, not get punched. You've never been in a fight then? I haven't either. I've have so. never
0: been in a physical fight. No.
2: I mean, I've been. Lex is
1: a lever, not a fighter. That's right. <laughs>
2: I've been in a couple of skirmishes, but not, like, I'm ne- yeah, I've never th- actually thrown a punch. How much can you know
1: about yourself if you've never been in a fight?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, so, but I, I want to talk about fights and maybe even fight a club. But I, first, I, I can't wait any longer. I need to know your cult story. And I've built it up so high in my mind that you're, there's pretty much no way now you can match my expectations, but I still want to hear it. <laughs> An exquisitely special cult story. <laughs>
2: uh i'll 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 try i'll see if i can live up to expectations here um okay well it actually has to do with the the origin of the band um of the you know jump little children started at the north carolina school of the arts in winston-salem we were all studying classical music there i was uh, studying classic guitar and then we had uh you know matt and evan evan was actually there for visual arts but matt was there for uh oboe and clarinet and then Ward was studying cello and there was another guy um Chris Pollan, who was one of the original members who uh was from Ireland and that's where some of the Irish music uh influence came from but uh he he was he was studying um classical guitar with me and we you know were close friends and but he was he was kind of there's something you know a couple screws loose uh, uh, he just <laughs> wasn't quite balanced he, you know he was he was the guy who would be naked at the party or, um, make the really amazing eggnog and then be thrown up in the backyard. And, you know, <laughs> he it? he was just one of those real bohemian, um, exciting and confusing people. We decided to move to Boston to play, uh, Irish music. Cause that's where all the Irish people were or are, um, in America. And, so we went there and started studying. You know, uh, started playing in a lot of the, the sessions and uh, studying the music. And he actually came across a person in a, in in the T, the subway there, because um, we played we busked a lot in the subways in Boston. Um, who invited him to uh, this dinner out at this big Catholic family house um, outside of mm-hmm. uh, outside of Boston. And so he, he went, it's like, a, you know, free food, kind of Friday night, yeah. uh, get together thing. And being poor musicians like we were, yeah you know, an excuse to go and just kind of meet some new people or whatever and have a free meal. So uh, he did that and then got uh, realized that he was actually kind of teased into this um, group. You know, they had an amazing meal, homemade bread. You know, it was, it was this huge house that had like, you know, maybe five families living in it kind of thing. A big backyard and they had a fire uh, and then started playing music. People were dancing around the fire and he was like, wow, this is really fun, you know.
0: Um,
2: so yeah. he, came, he, came, he, he, <laughs> he came back after that experience like, wow, this is this was great and uh, invited me to come the next time. So I was like, OK, I'll check this out. Week goes by. Or what do we go to the next Friday night get together? It was. I was trying to figure out what was going on. I mean, I'm only 21 years old. Trying to, you know, didn't really have that strong uh, uh, critical faculties at that point. wasn't severely skeptical <laughs> like I am now. But uh, just interested in what was and curious and and looking for a good time. I just, you know, I just started to notice that everyone had beards. Uh oh. <laughs> and, and that there were a, and that there were a lot of kids. Like you know, under six, seven years old, and that there was a there were a lot of people. Like it was a, uh, probably like sixty or seventy people there. Uh, you know, I was sitting um, across from a guy with a really long beard, you know, down to his belt kind of thing, and we just started talking about a uh, certain ideas he he brought up this idea of how in the second coming he started talking about the second coming which is surprising I, di- I didn't expect any kind of any kind of religious stuff I didn't, had no idea it was what I had gotten myself into and he said that um, in the second coming um, there will be uh, not only a reforming of the, the climate of the, of the planet like everything will turn green all the cities will decay. And there'll just be this like massive rebirth of the planet Earth, but that technology will become like supernaturally um, sophisticated to the point where we'll have space. And at that point, I, I was st- struggling for a handhold on the conversation. Like, <laughs> w- what is he talking? What is he, he talking about? And um, it dawned on me that this was like a community of a, of a sort. And so we, and I was like, well, what is this? You know, what's going on? He said, this is the a messianic and it's one of the 12, one of the, tw- one of the 12 tribes. Um, and when, once they have um, a, a communities on every continent in the globe, then the, the second coming can be reborn and all this kind of stuff. So then the music starts playing and the fire and the, um, and then we, you know, after the dancing and the actually was, the music was amazing. <laughs> That's how they get was, you, Jay. That's really how good. they get you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It always
1: is. This is why I don't trust people with beards.
2: The, then we ended up in this like, um, additional, like the, the, the ha- behind the house was this other house, like another completely other area. It's more like a community center type thing. And there's carpets everywhere. And then so we get kind of get into this meditative uh, thing where there's a bunch of candles and whatnot. Um,
0: Sounds romantic.
2: It was. Oh my God, that was so weird. (laughs) That's not like an echo, like a digital.
0: That was um, crazy. Continue. I'm sorry.
2: (laughs) Dave, you and I can make love later. You guys go ahead. Um, So, uh, yeah, so we, um, there were conversations about everything from the transcendent to capital punishment to, you know, Husbandry, or whatever it is, like all all types of different things were talked about.
0: For I get, I always get nervous when when I hear about the second coming because there are many folks who are awaiting the second coming who believe that I die in it. So I'm not a huge <laughs> fan. I'm a
2: freedman, you know how this goes. So it's like, <laughs> well, if, if yeah. someone is telling you about the second coming, they're the one who is going to be saved, and you are not. There's that's, yeah. that's pretty much a guarantee. Yeah.
1: It's almost like somebody bragging about going to, like, I'm going on vacation. <laughs> right. I'm going to Disneyland and you're not. I'm going to
2: heaven and you're not. <laughs> it right. is sort of like that. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, you know, we went back a couple of times just to kind of get the full experience. And then Chris uh, joined the cult. Whoa. So moved out of our house, quit the band, um, grew a beard. And to this day... Um, is, is a, a member of the community and has several kids with Old Testament names and, uh, has lived in the different houses. Um, they have, they have a house that uh, I think it's called the Seuss house in France. Uh, they have a house in, uh, Ireland and one in Australia and they have a ship, they have like a sailing vessel that they, they have a ship. Yeah.
0: I'm signing up. How can I join this thing? <laughs> sounds great. I,
2: it's, not like a, it's not like a carnival cruise. Well maybe uh, yeah. Well but,
0: maybe uh, it is like a carnival cruise. Maybe
1: carnival
2: cruise. maybe it is actually, yeah. Well so, these
1: Scientologists, they have a navy, so not too far off. Do they really? Yeah, that was Elron Ron Hubbard's whole thing is he wanted a, because he was he had a yacht and he wanted a whole fleet and he kept building it out. Yeah, it got weird.
2: Oh wow. Yeah. Cool. Didn't know that. So yeah. So he's uh he's still in it. Uh, you does know, he bake his own bread now they they bake their own bread yeah he's 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 he was actually a really good bread maker even before then but uh
1: oh, a good fit then yeah do you stay in touch like how do you how do you even address that with a friend like hey how's the cult going
2: um we don't really stay i mean the last time i i actually exchanged an email with him he doesn't like i don't i don't think he has ex- access to a computer unless he goes off the grounds but yeah we exchanged emails at some point maybe 2 years ago and sent pictures of kids and that sort of thing
1: now i feel lame i don't i don't have any friends in in cults i did have a friend in high school who uh it was right before y2k mm-hmm. and a friend of mine from high school his his dad decided that y2k was going to be the end of the world and moved uh the whole family to alabama which I I mean, it was 1999, it didn't seem that ridiculous to want to take some kind of precaution, but they moved Mm -hmm. to this compound in Alabama, and it was like one big building, and there was like a shed full of guns and food, and it just kind Mm. of went off the rails from there.
2: Yeah, I would imagine it would, yeah.
1: They never asked me to visit.
2: uh, Yeah, that was, I I think I went to uh, something like that in um, Conyers, Georgia, in like 98 or 99, there was a a prophet, like a Catholic prophet, um, Uh-oh. who a woman who um, had had been visited by the Virgin Mary, and so I didn't know what to expect. I actually went with this was with Chris. Yeah, God, this must have been what earlier than that, maybe ninety three. Went with Chris and Matt and Chris's dad, who was an amazing stained glass artist he actually uh if you ever go to galway the main cathedral in galway he did all the stained glass for that cathedral but um just wow. just really beautiful stuff but his christopher's dad uh decided to go to this 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 gathering and so we we you know we're like oh that'd be fun let's do that and it ended up being like you know, you go to like a concert, um, some huge festival out out and you know on a farm or something, and there's like vibrating eyeballs. Yeah, and there's like twenty thousand cars and like you know state troopers and like you park you know parking on these rolling hills in the farmland kind of stuff. And like, I had no idea it was going to be this this huge, but there were pro- I would guess forty thousand people, fifty thousand people, this en- enormous wow. crowd. Apparently the uh, it was believed that jesus had appeared on the 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 farm and had blessed the water in the well and then the virgin ah. mary and the v- virgin mary had ap- had appeared actually in the house and so um what people were doing this is before digital cameras and cell phones and stuff and so what people were doing was we were standing in line to get w- water from this holy well that was blessed by uh jesus well, I mean, uh, if
0: somebody's going to bless it. You want to at least go to the top. Right?
2: Yeah, yeah, you want the very best. So
0: you don't want to be blessed by like Steve. <laughs> You've been blessed by the rest. Now get blessed by the best. Exactly.
2: And everyone there, most actually, most of the people in line had a Polaroid camera, and they were taking pictures of the sun. Right. So you take a picture of the sun, huh. and then the the film comes out, and the you know, if you if you get it just right and get the fraction of the light just right, it would distort into uh, some iconic imagery. So you would get the face of of Mary, or you'd get a cross, or you would get um, the face of God, or the mask of God, or whatever it was. Or
1: horseshoe, or a four leaf clover.
2: Or uh, yeah, the people who were actually taking the the photographs believed it was it was they were actually receiving some sign from the divine. <laughs> Uh, so it was it was bizarre, and then what would ha- what they do is they take these these Polaroids, and there was this long line, you know, you wait in for like three hours that would go inside the farmhouse, and travel around the um, the the main room of the farmhouse where people had placed the photographs that had produced something miraculous, quote unquote. It was powerful and eerie and mysterious and um obviously contrived. <laughs> um you know? Like like See, I, I think it,
0: that there's a there's a point in this story where you're wondering where I think the, the typical listener might be wondering, you know, where you fall Jay on the spectrum, like were you were you seeing Jesus or the virgin mary in these photos or not but i think now you have answered that question for us at least a bit. Yeah,
1: you mentioned earlier being a skeptic and the the way you're framing the story i'm i'm getting a certain sense here.
2: Yeah, well uh, basically what it was is um you're you're looking under the hood at how um <laughs> religion works, how the mystery is propagated, how the imagery serves a function and how the you know, the individual gets swept away by certain uh, random events that coalesce into a pattern. And so actually seeing that firsthand and seeing, you know, you know when I'm a kid, you know, I'm still in college or whatever. Seeing, seeing it um, be so effective to bring people to tears and to their knees and that kind of thing was impactful, to, to say the least. Well, So you make it sound nice. I'm not trying to romanticize it at all. I'm just, I'm, <laughs> because I'm, I'm an atheist, I'm a skeptic, I'm a... Um, I, Yay! I mean, <laughs> you're, you're right at home, I assure <laughs> I, you.
1: It was just that it's, it's rare to hear, especially from an atheist and a skeptic, it's rare to hear a description of that kind of event or that kind of religious interaction without there being a little bit, a little hint of, I don't know, cynicism to it or even anger. So for you to describe it and you make it sound like a beautiful event that you're not into, you're not a part of, but it's colored in a certain way.
2: I draw a stark line between the, the supernatural and the transcendent. And I think all that religion is guilty of is calling what we experience as something numinous, calling that, you know, supernatural divine. I, and I think that's a easy mistake to make. And so I'm sympathetic Towards the the people who do make that mistake and 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 fall into the traps of, of dogma and organized religion, but you just uh, blew my mind. Well, th- there's a lot to be. I don't I don't mean to to ignore some horrific things about what religion is and what it does. I mean, there's a lot to be more than annoyed with, to actually fight and to uh you know resist as much as we can because it, it does a lot a lot of harm, no matter what charitable view you take of it or um, uh, what how, how sympathetic you might be towards the easy trap of it. It is a poison, and I think should be resisted as much as possible I think it's uh, easy to take uh, a stark view um, uh, but and i if you would, if you had asked me somebody, or if we had talked about this maybe a few years ago, I would have had a a more cynical view um, but Uh, That would have been just the enthusiasm of a convert. Like I I would have just simply been uh, frothing at the mouth of uh, how realism and uh, natural physical processes are are the answer, you know, without any sympathy towards the other side. But I think once you... I think confidence in a certain philosophy breeds empathy towards others.
1: Yeah. I think I'm still in that phase where I'm, I'm so caught up in the, why doesn't everybody see this? The, yeah, the excitement of, of being converted. I'm still very cynical and, and mouth frothy.
2: (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, I was raised in a, a Baptist, uh, household that was, you know, my parents are good people. Um, but my grandfather was a preacher. My grandmother was the organist in the church. Um, my my dad was a deacon. My mom was a, a choir member, and um, wow, you know it was it was very stitched into the fabric of, the, what of the household.
0: One thing I'm realizing though is that if if your grandfather was a preacher, then your oh, dad wow. was the only boy who could ever reach your mom. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's it's how far you went to telegraph that joke.
2: <laughs> Yeah, that, uh, was, that was that's so. Good. I, I, mean, that's good. I grew up <laughs> way to get there.
1: I grew up
0: very strictly kosher. My parents are still very observant. My sister moved mm. to Israel with her husband. They're super religious. You know, oh, I right. we went to synagogue three, four, five days a week. Uh, Hebrew mm-hmm. school three days a week. And I went to Brandeis University in large part because they had uh, humble brag because they had twenty one <laughs> kosher meals per week, and that was super oh, important boy. to me. And um, I don't know. It's. I started wearing a yarmulke all the time when I was in college.
1: We all went through that phase.
0: It, really, what happened was I had dated a Mormon, and I felt so guilty that I had dated this Mormon girl instead of a Jewish girl at Brandeis so that I started wearing the yarmulke all the time sort of as as my punishment to myself. And <laughs> Zero-sum Judaism? Then, uh, over time, it was this combination of, you know, I couldn't accept uh, uh, the argument that... Uh, the Lord works in mysterious ways as a justification for for bad things happening to mm-hmm. good people. Yeah. And then uh, combining with that, I couldn't come up with any reasonable explanation for these small annoyances in everyday life so it was just as much my friend sam getting cancer twice mm-hmm. um as it was stubbing my toe twice in two days on the same <laughs> corner of my bed i was like <laughs> fuck it there is no way that god exists and that was the beginning of the end for me
2: how, how old were you at that, at that
0: point I, I guess i was probably around 18 17
2: yeah I stayed kosher
0: for another seven years just to hedge my bets, but, uh,
1: I don't think I ever had a big moment of realization. I I would say that I was a born atheist. I never believed it never stuck. I mean, I grew mm-hmm. up in and around churches, but it never, I don't know. It just, it, I never bought it. It always felt like Santa Claus to me.
2: So were you ever, I mean, were you indoctrinated? Were you taught these things or no?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I uh, grew up uh, in and around like non-denominational Christian churches. My grandmother was a, uh, or is uh, a devout Christian, has worked in churches for most of her life. Mm-hmm. And so I spent plenty of time, uh, like in high school, I would I would hang out after school at the youth group. Mm. But even there, I was the guy who didn't believe. Like I was the secular kid. And it, it wasn't because I wore that as a flag, like the way that maybe I do now. It was just that, I don't know. I I would stay away from it. My body just rejected it from the very beginning.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Christopher Hitchens uh, talked about those who are so made, you know, to not to not take to it. I um, mean, he he talks about being nine years old. I'm sure you've heard this story about his, um, or maybe not, but uh, about his biology t- teacher talking about the the green leaves being pleasing to the eyes, and that's the design of, of, of God. And he, he <laughs> he's nine years old, and he's, and he says to himself, "That's bullshit." yeah so that's there are there are people who actually have that kind of born in um and i I wasn't one of those i I, right and
0: I, i think it's hard especially if you grew up with a very religious family because you know it's this and this i think is one of richard dawkins points where he talks about how you know you have to listen to what your parents say right away and so if your parents as an evolutionary sort of advantage like if your parents tell you don't you know, run into the street. You can't run into the street because you'll potentially get killed and die. And so, when your parents say, yeah. "Hey, there's a God who's wants the trees to be green and whatnot," and you are, you know, as a kid, if your parents are telling you this all the time, it's it's very hard not to listen, not to accept it.
2: Yeah. Well, we're you know, we're made that way to actually listen to what our parents say and, and believe what they say, just, just so we don't walk off cliffs and stuff. You know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it
1: makes it hard. I have friends who are Christian and they've got kids and it's, it's difficult for me to not wonder what, what are they going to teach their kids and, and what, if anything will need to be untaught later?
2: Well, it's, it's tricky business. Yeah. I mean, cause my brother is a missionary and, um, you know, he has, he, he's older than I am, but he just had his first child, um, who's now six months old or so. And, there's a part of me, um, you know, I don't proselytize or I'm not an activist in in, in the name of atheism by any means. I, you know, I think it's something you kind of have to come to. Uh, I certainly would resist religion any way I can and have had to it within my own family just to, you know, to keep it from intruding on my own space. But, um, You know, for him, I've actually considered uh, just throwing a seed of doubt out there saying, do you actually want to teach this to him before he can think about it for himself? Uh, Because I, I think it is, I think it's wrong to tell kids that this is the way the world works when you don't know that that's the way the world works. I think that's, that's a problem.
1: There's a line though, where if, if you have enough doubt that you're not willing to teach your kid, why would you believe it? And the same thing in the other direction. If you if you do believe it, then why wouldn't you teach your kid something you believe to be true?
2: Yeah, well, the problem there is the, the the term believe, because believe is like a umbrella term. It can mean a lot of things you can you can talk about, you know, it's used in politics to talk about things that we don't know the answer to. You know, I believe that, um, you know, the, the the right path is, you know, to go this way or that way, um, when no one really knows exactly what the truth is. So whenever you're talking about something that you believe, you actually have to categorize it that way because, uh, you don't know the answer, you know, I mean, you, 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 you say, I believe it to be true because you don't know it to be true. That's, that's the caveat there. Um, and so if you don't know it to be true, you shouldn't teach it as true. That's the problem. Well, this
1: is where we, we get like fundamentalists saying things like, "Well, we only believe that evolution is a thing. that's just a
2: theory. right Yeah, no well,
1: gravity is just a theory.
2: Well, gravity is a theory, evolution <laughs> is a theory.
1: <laughs> and it suggests that if all things can be true, then it is equally probable that all things are true, which doesn't work out.
2: The big confusion is is about you have to throw out this this uh, use of things that are absolute. You know, we don't actually know anything to be true. Like um, our best guess is that the earth is round and that it goes around the sun. That's that's our best guess. We don't actually. When you know- say it
0: goes around the sun, do you mean the the big bright thing or are you referring to the son of God?
2: <laughs> yeah. Just <for> God. <laughs> nice. Uh, we, we don't actually I mean, you could, you know, at some point that could be overturned. I, it's very, very un- <laughs> unlikely to be overturned. But you don't know it absolutely in the term, in, in the use of that word, you know. It's it's not 100%, it's 99 point whatever percent true.
1: I love it when the people who will talk about like decrying, well, science doesn't know everything. But these people are totally okay taking medicine when they're sick.
2: Right, yeah. Well, if you drive a car and you say, the you know, the world is 6,000 years old, you're a hypocrite because the, the the gasoline in the car is much older than that.
0: <laughs>
2: you know, it's what's funny to me too is that I, I think many,
0: uh, maybe not the Dave type atheists who come to it very young, but the folks hey. who go from, uh, from, let's say, being some sort of believers to not, um, you have this ongoing period, and for me it hasn't ended for, you know, uh, more than a decade, of feeling all different kinds of angst uh, in regard to the believers in your life, like seeing how my parents have uh, limited their lives in certain ways, or the choices that other you know that that sisters and friends make, where they're talking about, um, you know where you know my my dad and my mom retired to Arizona there are no kosher restaurants in Arizona but they mm-hmm. only eat kosher food so my dad mm-hmm. can only ever order fish or grilled cheese when they go out to restaurants and <laughs> that's that's pretty much all he ever has because he won't get anything meat there where Weird, when I stopped being me. kosher suddenly now I can have you know I can have steak and cheeseburgers mm-hmm. and you know not all <laughs> healthy options and bacon right. my god I have so many years of not eating bacon to make up for um, and you know that's that's <laughs> really limited example of you know how they're what how they're choosing what food to eat but it's also it affects things like you know how you feel about various minorities or gay people or how you feel about um you know whatever other major big ticket issues of the day and it's it just it makes me feel sad and angry and frustrated in, in other ways in ways that i i think are only because i came to the atheism later in life
2: yeah no that's that's all exactly true i mean you you I mean, you want people to live life to the full and the people, especially the people that you love and you encourage them in whatever you, way you can. And when you see them limiting their choices and, you know, my parents are the same way They, but I, I wonder if it's more out of an aesthetic that they have, like you I would guess that your dad probably actually likes the fact that his options are limited. I mean, I know my dad does like his, the world is very simple to him. And it's like there's only a few rules that govern the way the world actually works in his mind. And it makes it so much easier to think about.
1: Maybe it's as simple as some people are question people and some people are answer people. Where some people just want the answers given to them and to not have to work too hard to process them. And other people, like maybe us... Are more interested in asking questions, and we keep going out and, and trying to discover more and embracing more of life. Uh,
2: yeah, I mean, it could be. I mean, I, you know, my dad is is a, a curious person too. I don't mean to, to paint him with such a, a simple brush, but um, right. And you know, my dad
0: was a doctor. You know, he's retired now. He was an orthopedic surgeon, and so he he understood mm-hmm. science, right? right? What he told me, and this really, uh, I guess the 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 verb I want to use is disappoints me, um, where. He was believing less and less, and then started believing more when his parents died because he wanted to believe in an afterlife for them. And I can understand that mentality. Yeah. Uh, or I can understand at least the, the motivation there, uh, though I don't really, you know, I clearly don't agree with that, that perspective. And it's to me, the lesson isn't, boy, now I'm bummed that my parents are dead or that anybody I've loved is dead. And so I'm going to choose to be a believer because I can't believe that it's just over. To me, it's instead, you know, like you got to make the lesson, wow, there's a real finality to life. And that's the, you know, the most exciting thing about life. So now I'm going to make these decisions about how I'm going to choose to spend my time and make decisions. These are not novel or new ideas, but it's, it's interesting to me how there's so much, and it's not even just with religion and belief, but how there's so much where there are, Kind of two directions that people can take on philosophies, and we're all humans, and we all exist on Earth, and yet um, it's so easy for people to to commit one way or the other. You know, you've got Republicans and Democrats, and you've got believers and non-believers, and there are so many issues where people can just say nope, I clearly believe it this way or I distinctly believe it this other way and it's it's unusual to me that there's less agreement that everything becomes so binary. I feel like with dogs, you know, all dogs are pretty much like hey, you know what? Dog food <laughs> is pretty fun to eat and so is all other food. But humans can't agree on anything. This
1: is why I like Christmas so
2: much. <laughs> I th- I think that's actually a new phenomenon. I would I would I, I think options um, the the kind of al- algorithmic exponential uh, increase of options is a modern phenomenon that our generation, maybe our parents' generation, or, or definitely our kids' generation, are going to have to deal with more and more. I mean, we live in a world of uh, now this generation of information where I- any if thing is on the table and everything is, is there for you to actually be able to make a dis- to, uh, an informed decision about. Um, And that includes what kind of jeans you're going to wear to what God you're going to believe in. Or what grilled cheese you're going to have, um, you know, all, all, all of that. If you I have all one, this, that has the Virgin Mary on it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I like those things being weighted equally. <laughs> well, in a way, they there's a there's a thread there. They're there's, there's, they're in the same category simply because they're laid in front of us with ever increasing understanding of what they mean, uh, and that wasn't the case. I mean, you know. Yeah, I mean, you go before the printing press and then, you know, the Internet, the Internet has completely changed the game. It's broadened the mind of the of the entire world.
0: Let's pause for a second and talk about our sponsors. That work for you, Dave? I, I guess. All right. Well, we have two sponsors this week, and I love both of them with all my heart. First up is Audible. You log in with your Amazon account, you set up a subscription, and boom, you get one audiobook a month or more, depending on the subscription you choose, and you keep those audiobooks forever. You can listen on your Mac, your iPhone, iPad, Android, Windows phone. You know how I love my Windows phone. And you get 24-7 customer support, too. And here's the best part, Dave. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Unprofessional listeners get a free 30-day trial of Audible, including a free audiobook download. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash unprofessional to get started. Uh, I do want to recommend a book to you. This is Audible's clever idea to say, man, not only do I hear about this great ebook free audiobook opportunity I'm, I'm eager to jump on the bandwagon uh so the last great book i read which i just read a couple days ago and you can get it uh via audible was a dog's purpose a novel for humans by w bruce cameron now here's the truth i expected this book to be terrible and hacky it's told from the perspective of an often reincarnated dog uh and my Why wife you said choose this book my wife had gotten it recommended and she read it and she's like you should read this and i did and it was i I swear it was moving and heartwarming and sad and delightful. Highly recommended. audible dot slash unprofessional. Check them out. And our other sponsor today
1: is Basecamp from Thirty Seven Signals. Uh, you'd have shipped your project on time if you'd kept it organized with Basecamp. See, I, I have a couple of projects I'm working on, and we use Basecamp, and and it it is what keeps us moving. It is what keeps us on time. Uh, with an entire project on one page, nothing gets lost. Your team always knows where things are. You can keep files and important documents on Basecamp so everyone knows where to find them. And uh, the app works natively on iPhone, works great on Android and uh, Windows, which Lex loves, uh, and and in your mobile browser. And there's over 7,000 Basecamp accounts created each week, over 8 million projects manage with Basecamp.
0: I'll tell you the truth. I'll tell you the truth, Dave. Uh, every project I've been involved in that has used Basecamp has been better for it. And I truly do not do any projects. If it's independent, if it's some of the work, I don't do any big projects without using Basecamp. I'm a big fan. I'm happy that they're sponsoring because I, I really like them a lot.
1: You know, I'm not going to say that I won't do a project with, without Basecamp, but I don't, I can't think of a, a real professional app. I've worked on a real professional project. I've worked on that didn't use Basecamp. And
0: speaking of professional, go to Basecamp.com slash unprofessional so that they know we sent you. That's very important. With all our sponsors, if you don't go to our URLs for the sponsors, then they don't know how great you are and how much money you're giving them and why they should keep sponsoring us.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really critical that they know that it came from us. Otherwise, uh, they they might not sponsor us and then you don't have a show to listen to anymore. So just think about that. That's right, because we're only in this for the money. Uh, so
0: it's com slash Unprofessional for them, and it's com slash Unprofessional for Audible. While we're at it, don't forget to go to MuleRadio.net. Check out all the other great shows if you're... uh if you're ever in the market to say, hey, I want to get on this sponsorship action, go to sponsor.muleradio.net. We'll get you hooked up. And then if you're like, man, I don't want to sponsor a show. I've already purchased a Basecamp thing. I've just subscribed to Audible. How else can I support Lex, Dave, and Unprofessional? The answer is simple. Send us money direct. No, I mean, uh, go to iTunes and rate us there. Follow us on Twitter at Unprofesh. Follow us on app.net at Unprofesh. Follow us at Facebook. I'm not going to tell you. You can figure out what the name is there. But do
1: all those things because we love you and we crave your, you know attention so it it sounds like we're just begging for attention here but the truth is uh uh, you know we we can't live without it (laughs) (laughs) but the truth is we are begging for your attention yeah yeah exactly all right we should get back to this uh this very deep discussion we're having
0: the other frustrating thing with religion and this is obviously also not a new point is how much it can lead to to fights or you know seriously wars
1: i think that the, the the conflict has become both more and less personal, where we can have disagreements at almost to the point of violence personally between two people, but it it feels like the compared to you know a few hundred years ago when people would be angry at each other over religion it 's harder for us to come to actual violence personally it 's got to be like a bigger a much bigger higher level decision than just two people fighting
2: well yeah, yeah i mean uh do you know Stephen Pinker by any chance he's um sure. Yeah, he's a philosopher, uh, uh, evolutionary uh, philosopher from I think it's MIT or where is, is where is he? I think is it I mean, Harvard? Maybe I'm looking right now. He's well, that doesn't help. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, he's he's the he is a professor in the department of psychology at Harvard. Harvard. Okay, so he um, recently just put out a book talking about the history of violence, and I, I haven't read the book, but I watched a lecture that he gave about it. And it's pretty fascinating because it's very optimistic. You said things are are 10,000 years ago. It was uh, one. The chance was one in three that you would that if you were a male, you would be violently murdered by another male. Wow. So one, one in three. And so, you know, things are, are even though so we, one we, of us. Yeah. <laughs> one of us would have been like, you know, in this conversation with a spear on our side. It would have been essentially. Me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'll own it. It would
2: been me. So. You know things are getting better. Um, uh, it seems like because we're saturated in news that we live in a very violent world, um, but that's that's not actually true. There's uh, increased empathy, increased communication. He talks about how in uh, you know around the Colosseum in Rome. Uh, when there was a big event, you know, it, it'd be like it going to, to a rock concert or whatever. There'd be, you know, around the edges of the, of the Coliseum, there'd be it's sort, of, sort of like a fair atmosphere where there's vendors and sideshows and all this kind of stuff. Um, so for entertainment, they would actually lower a cat into a fire, like what like th- that was that was a part of the entertainment just around the edge of the colosseum not to mention the the christians that were being eaten by lions inside the colosseum
1: of stuff with cats
2: so, yeah big and little cats so these the, you know they would lower these cats into this roaring fire um just for entertainment so you know wow Th- that just it shows a stark difference between our cultures, in that now we have enormous empathy towards all types of uh, cats people and animals and Creatures of all time,
1: and it's difficult to get people into a fight now. Like you've got to, you've got to get almost get alcohol involved before you can get someone to throw a punch.
0: <laughs> For, I will tell you, the only time that I am ever in a situation where people decide they want to get physical with me, uh, and it hasn't happened in, uh, too recently. But the only time it ever happened, you say, I get I physical with you? I'm, <laughs> yeah, they violate. We define terms here. <laughs> uh, the only time people <laughs> seem to want to punch me and I swear I'm not saying this to bring us full circle, but because it is 100% true is that they might be giants concerts. Here's my thing. <laughs> this is my philosophy. If I get to a concert early, it's all that base. I, I, listen, I'm six foot two, but if I get to the concert early and I happen to be there before you, I'm going to stand as close to the stage as I can. I'm going to try to angle mm-hmm. myself so I can see in the spot where i want going to see. And I'm going to stand mm-hmm. there. And if you're shorter, it's, it, it's, it's your cross and my cross to bear, whether we're religious or not. Um, You know, if I'm at the movie theater, I'm going to slouch down in my seat. I always do it, even though I have decent sitting posture. But if I'm at the movie Mm -hmm. theater, I know that as a kid, I hated if a tall person sat in front of me, and I won't be that guy for somebody else. But if I'm at a standing room only venue, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna keep moving back so that the next person behind me can see over my giant head, and I'm not gonna get on my knees either uh, for any reason at the concert. And so, I don't know. That's the I seem to I, I basically I have boyfriends showing off for their. Girlfriends, and I'll admit it, they might be Giants concert. I am probably one of the, uh, I'm in the bottom 10% of the awkwardness scale. They do have a lot of awkward fans. It's just the way it yeah, is. Yeah. And so, but I'll have these these awkward gentlemen who are like, my girlfriend can't see over your head. And, and so that's, <laughs> boy, that's, that sounds really tough for you
2: all. I love how we're trying to tell fight stories about a they might be giants concert. Like (laughs) like you're trying to you're trying to generate some kind of tension here, and it's just not really going anywhere. (laughs)
1: It's it's, (laughs) it's,
0: you know when
2: people start putting, and this is true
0: at any standing concert. I feel like you know when you get people, people are vying for space, and you know you you start the show in one spot, and then by the time the show is over, you're in a totally different geographic area from all the pushing and movement. Mm -hmm. body mass of the attendees at this concert but that's that's the only place where i seem to incur other people's wrath they want to hit me
1: i had a similar experience at a nine inch nails show which <laughs> See, makes that's... way more sense to me sure <laughs> guy comes up and he, i'm standing at the front row i'm not even a nine inch nails fan but i was there with a friend and we're up in the the front row because he had some kind of special tickets to get in early uh, we're standing there and this guy standing next to me starts leaning into me and like really pushing, I hate that. Super passive aggressive, just like leaning into me. And finally, I think I, it's I aggressive, kind of, aggressive. But go ahead. Well, well, just say something. And I, I finally, I turn and look. I'm like, "What is your deal?" And he just looks at me. and goes, "You're too tall." <laughs> and all I could do was crack up laughing. Like I don't, I don't know how to help you.
0: <laughs> you know, the truth is, it makes total sense to fight at the Mighty Giants concert. They have songs about fighting. Oh yeah, which one? <laughs> particle Man, Particle Man, they have a particle fight. Man. Triangle wins. Particle
2: Triangle. Man, Particle Man. Say? Okay, yeah. oh yeah. yeah, that's true. That is true.
1: Fine, you win.
2: It's a violent. But it's Lex. it's not a physical, it's not a physical fight though. It's a it's a it's like a debate, isn't
0: it? Oh, okay, really? I've never thought that.
2: Oh, is it you a physical
0: oh, fight? Just real. Hang on, now you have just blown my mind. You have always <laughs> heard that song as a as a debate. They have a fight. <laughs> Triangle Man is a fucking bully. You
1: ah, uh, I don't know what to believe anymore. <laughs> We're all super calm about atheism. We start talking about they might be giants, and f- people freak out.
2: Uh, that's funny. I'm I'm, I'm talking out of my league here because uh, I'm. I, I'm not a hardcore fan. I'm, I, I love their music, but I wouldn't be able to quote you the, the actual scenario in that song.
0: Right though, God, I've wasted so much. Time.
2: <laughs> don't trust. Don't trust what I say about that subject.
1: Well, Lex, I think you've learned something today. Yeah,
0: got something to think about. I'm I'm fairly convinced at this point that Jay is God.
1: <laughs> don't make it weird.
2: Don't make it weird. That's a, uh, that's a little weird. Yeah, I haven't called Jesus before. Ooh. <laughs> mm.